Prepping for a tough Ravens squad in week nine, the Seahawks are in first place in the NFC West in large part because of the continued youth movement going on in the Pacific Northwest. Rob Rangan are going to be breaking down how the last three draft class have continued to play a major role in Seattle's revival in the NFC West. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here for Matchup Wednesday by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang, and a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there that makes Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Whether you're listening in Forks, Washington, or Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, we greatly appreciate each and every one of you. As we do each and every Wednesday, we'll be diving into the key positional battles to watch when the Seahawks travel cross-country to face the Ravens in Baltimore on Sunday. This episode is brought to you away by the GameTime app. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNFL. For $20 off your first purchase, last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks will travel to Baltimore to face the talented first-place Baltimore Ravens. They're 6-2, and two, tough matchup, maybe the best game of the week considering the Seahawks are in first place in the NFC West. And one of the reasons the Seahawks are in that position, obviously, Rob, we know the contributions the veterans have made, the Bobby Wagners, the Jamal Adams, the Jaron Reed of the world. Those players have been critical to Seattle getting off to this hot start and climbing to the top of the division. But at the end of the day, it is still all about the youth movement. And we kind of forgot a little bit about that 2021 draft class where the Seahawks only made three picks, but even that draft class, even with D. Eskridge being suspended the first six games and not really doing much in his first game of the season on Sunday, even that draft class now is making significant contributions to the Seahawks getting five wins in their first seven games. And that is really the foundation that has gotten this football team back to being one of the best in the NFC. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that. I think that uh, it's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion, that uh, you know John Schneider and the Seahawks scouts have uh, you know just kind of had to endure a lot of naysayers out there. And I just think that this is one of the absolute best scouting departments in all of the NFL. And you know, as I think anybody can acknowledge, the fact that D. Eskridge obviously is not played up to expectations, but Trey Brown certainly has played very well when he has been healthy and on the field. As I said in yesterday's show, I want to raise my own hand up here and and call myself out for questions with what Stone Forsythe has done over his first couple of seasons, but the improvement that he has made so far this season. Uh, Jake Curran, of course, was an undrafted free agent in that 2021 draft class. Of course, the Seahawks got rave reviews from all kinds of people for the 2022 draft class. Of course, it was one of those unusual years where 
where you had a offensive rookie of the year candidate and Ken Walker the third. You had a defensive rookie of the year candidate and Rick Wollen, as well as the ascent that we have seen from Charles Cross, from from Boye Mafe. Uh, you know, there, there's just so many good football players on that year's squad. And then, of course, this year it looks like just a a repeat of last year's success with the, the rookies. Um, of course, Devin Witherspoon and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba getting most of the attention to this point. But to me, that's one of the most exciting things about this, Corbin. It does feel like it's not only an exciting season in 2023 for the Seahawks, but that this is a team that is on the upswing because so many of their best players are still on those rookie contracts. Yeah, I really wanted to emphasize that 2021 draft class because it's kind of become an afterthought, and a large part of that is because D. Eskridge has just not panned out to this point. The Seahawks are still hoping they can get some production from him on offense or on special teams, but Stone Forsythe has played outstanding football the last couple of weeks. He looks natural at right tackle. In fact, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make the statement right now. I think he looks more natural at right tackle than left tackle, where he played his entire collegiate career at Florida. He seems to be finding his groove there. And Trey Brown has been fantastic this year, coming back from that knee injury that really made 2022 a wash for him. He's got two interceptions and. He's been coming up making hits in the run game. So you're getting contributions from those guys. And then last year's draft class, even with Abraham Lucas only playing a half uh, game of football to this point, he would have been on that list I showed a moment ago for starters if he had been playing. But boy, Mafe, I mentioned yesterday, he's playing as well as any edge in the NFC right now, all around game. And then you're getting the production from Ken Walker, over 500 rushing yards, six touchdowns. Charles Cross played really well against Cleveland. He's back healthy. And this latest draft class, this is what's really exciting. We've seen Devin Witherspoon and now Jackson Smith and Jigba is coming on game-winning touchdown this past weekend against the Cleveland Browns. Derek Hall is going to take on a bigger role with the Chenonuosu being banged up. Zach Charbonnet had his best game as a pro against Cleveland. He's continuing to carve out a little bigger role for himself in that complimentary running back role. We've seen Anthony Bradford play well and get better every single start he's had, although Timmy's looked solid when he's gotten into the game at center. And Jarek Reed, sixth rounder, he's been one of their best special teams players this year. He had a huge hit on the game's opening kickoff on Sunday. I mean, I can keep naming. We haven't even mentioned more Bobo yet. Jake Bobo has been one of their best rookies, and he was an undrafted player. So all these newcomers that have come into the program in the last two or three years – not just you know filling in and, and stepping in when needed, but a lot of these guys are starting, and when guys are injured, they're stepping in the lineup and they're playing well. It's really exciting for both the present and the future. You're thinking right now, hey, this is why we're going out and trading for Leonard Williams and we're giving up a second-round pick because we already have that young foundation that we have built here the last couple of years. We're still going to have an extra third-round pick next year to continue to build this roster and get young talent. We'll have our first-round pick. But you make that kind of a deal because of the production that you are getting. And it's interesting here from Pete Carroll at this point. He's kind of lost what to say because he's been asked about this youth movement so much. and It's not a bad problem to have. You know that he's excited about it. But they've just come to expect these players like Jake Bobo to be able to just jump in the lineup and be able to contribute and – this has been as good of a three-year stretch for John Schneider and Pete Carroll as we've seen. It's right there with what they did in 2011 and 2012, that 2010 class. 
this is shaping up to be as good of a cluster of draft classes as we saw then. And we saw the end result with that. And the Seahawks are hoping they can replicate that with this young core that they put together. Yeah, that's what's so exciting about it is because it feels like you're just scratching the surface. And we've seen this movie before. It results in a Lombardi trophy. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I was so excited about uh, the, the trade for Leonard Williams. Because again, as I you know mentioned a moment ago, these are so many good young players on those rookie contracts. And so the Seahawks, for example, are in a much better position to potentially re-sign a Leonard Williams after making the big splashy trade than say the San Francisco 49ers who are absolutely up against the cap look give them some credit for uh, making this big trade for Chase Young but are they actually going to be able to keep him for more than the nine remaining regular season games uh, of this season I mean that to me is one of the huge differences and as you said I mean you're just kind of rattling off all of these players from this 2023 draft class I mean we didn't mention Cameron Young who has played quality ball. We didn't mention Chris Stoll, the long snapper who has been perfect so far. We didn't mention Jonathan Sutherland, the, the safety that, that was re-signed by the Seahawks uh, you know, today. So to me, that, that's one of the things, again, that there's not only the draft picks, it's Seattle's ability to find these diamonds in the rough in undrafted free agency like a Jake Bobo, for example. The, the Seahawks just kind of continue to hit it out of the park when it comes to the evaluation of rookies uh, or draft picks excuse me and so again to me that is one of the most exciting things about this is this is not just a one and done type of a season for the CX in 2023 they truly are building yet another regime that really could be one of the best in all of the NFL and I think that's another reason I'm so excited to go into this game on Sunday because the Baltimore Ravens have followed a very similar script they Obviously, have the superstar on a big money contract in Lamar Jackson, but they have drafted really well on both sides of the football, including receiver Zay Flowers, who is already probably the best receiver that Lamar Jackson has had in his time in Baltimore to go with Mark Andrews and all the weapons they have. So both these teams have drafted really well the last few years. They've got a lot of young talent, and that's just going to make it an even more exciting game to watch for both fan bases to see who can come out with the victory in Baltimore. We're going to get to those matchups coming up next here on offense for the Seahawks against the Ravens on defense. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Every week, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Heading into week nine, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. Falcons receiver Drake London had a rather quiet week eight against the Titans secondary with only five receptions for 55 yards, but he should be targeted to get on track with a much bigger game against a vulnerable Vikings secondary in week nine. And we've got a quarterback change as well with Taylor Heineke taking the snaps. Atlanta should be a more effective downfield passing team, making it that London should get a high volume in the passing game. Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts in your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They've got brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, 
or your money back. At these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be joining Locked On Ravens for our weekly crossover Thursday special. You won't want to miss it. We'll be diving into key storylines, more matchups, predictions, wild cards, all kinds of fun stuff as we gear up for this must-see matchup in Baltimore on Sunday. You won't want to miss it. Let's get to our weekly matchups here, one of our favorite segments of the week. And as we usually do, we're going to start with the Seahawks on the offensive side of the ball going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about this yesterday, Rob. They're first in sacks. They're in the top five in tackles for a loss. They're in the top three in quarterback hits. They've forced eight interceptions this year. They have the ability to create a lot of turnovers. This is just a vicious, well-oiled machine that doesn't give up many yards. So it is going to be a challenging matchup for the Seattle Seahawks, even with the weapons that they have. This is going to be just as tough, if not tougher, than last week against that really good Cleveland Browns defense. And we have to start in the trenches. The tackle position is going to continue to be a featured piece, especially when you have a talented, familiar face that is going to be rushing most of the time against Stone Forsyth and Jason Peters off the right side in Genevieve and Clowney. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to start too, is which is Davion Clowney, just the reunion of sorts that we're going to have here. You know, it's Jadavian Clowney has three and a half sacks, um, you know, so far this season, Corbin, but he is just like he was with the Seahawks. He is so much more effective than those numbers would suggest. I mean, he is just so long, so strong, so powerful. Um, and, and that to me is what's going to make this fascinating to see who the Seahawks elect to start at that right tackle position. Um, as we talk talked about in yesterday's show stone forsyth really has played very very well in the running game uh as well as in the passing game and i specify the running game because that to me was one of the areas of concern i had about his game still he is going up against an entirely different type of a player in Jadavion Clowney, and he's the type of a guy who is so strong that i really do wonder if stone forsyth is going to be able to have the power the leverage to be able to create Create some movement at the point of attack. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Seahawks actually gave Jason Peters, the veteran, the start in this game just because he is a bigger man. But again, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm kind of going wishy-washy here because I do think the Seahawks would be wise to continue to kind of rotate at the right tackle position just to kind of see what they, you know, what, what they want to do um, and who is going to be most effective against a player like Clowney. And the, the Ravens have talented players on the other side as well. But I think for a lot of Seahawks fans, their eyes are naturally going to gravitate to a player that, uh, again, didn't put up incredible statistics for the Seahawks. But anybody who watched JV on Clowning when he was with Seattle, they know what a force that he could be. Yeah, his power creates an interesting potential dilemma there for the Seahawks at right tackle. And, and I posted this earlier on social media. I think that Forsyth should be the one that starts this football game. But 
if he struggles with Clowney early, you need to have Jason Peters available. And this might be a game where that old man strength ends up being a huge asset because Clowney's game is built around power. He's obviously a plus athlete, but he's never been a bendy pass rusher. He's not a guy that's going to beat you up field and then quickly turn the corner. That's not his game. He's going to get upfield, and then he is going to try to overpower you to collapse the pocket. That's how he wins. Jason Peters, at this stage of his career, he is better equipped to handle that than somebody that's going to win upfield, whereas Stone Forsythe's a pretty athletic guy at six foot eight, 325 pounds. And so he had some success last week cutting off rushers as they were trying to bend around the corner. So we'll see. I expect Forsythe is going to start the game. And Charles Cross, this is not going to be an easy game for you. Baltimore's got plenty of guys that they can – they also move uh, Roquan Smith sometimes off the edge. We have him rush. Justin Matabuke, who leads the team with six and a half sacks, He's a defensive tackle, but they play a 3-4 style defense. He lines up head up on the tackle a lot. So Stone Forsythe and Charles Cross are both going to have to worry about him in this football game as well. Baltimore is one of those multiple defenses, and they have a lot of different assets on that front line that can really cause problems for any offensive line. So the Seahawks, you're going to bring your A game, or Baltimore can be a team that can smash you at home. They need to be ready to roll. As far as the next matchup that jumps out to me from this game, we got to go to the athletes here on the outside. And Baltimore, one of the big concerns they had going into this season was away from Marlon Humphrey. What is our secondary going to look like? They had some free agent departures. They brought in some new players. Brandon Stevens, who's basically played corner and safety musical chairs every season of his career. They kept him at corner because Humphrey missed the first four games recovering from an injury, but he has looked like the typical Marlon Humphrey, the pro bowl, all pro kind of player in his four games back, a big physical corner, him against DK Metcalf. You want to talk about two Goliaths going at each other on the outside. That one's going to be fun. And then Brandon Stevens having to deal with Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, they've they've also got Rocky Asin, who formerly was with the Colts. He's gotten some snaps out there and played fairly well for the Ravens this season. So they've got some size at that position. They've got physical players. You have to be physical to play for the Baltimore Ravens. So that's going to make this an intriguing matchup because the Seahawks obviously have the athletes on the outside. They've got a big receiver in DK Metcalf. Smith and Jigba can break tackles, do some damage from the slot. We're seeing more and more of that. So this really is one of those seesaw matchups that could really turn the tide on who wins this game. No, it absolutely could. And I, you know, just from a physical standpoint, I mean, it's, it's kind of like one of those get your popcorn ready kind of a things, because as you mentioned with Marlon Humphrey, um, you know, he's a, an all pro kind of a caliber cornerback. And I always just love to see big physical cornerbacks who can just from a physical standpoint can kind of do the, the tail of the tape uh, against DK Metcalf. To me, that that's just one of those fascinating physical matchups that I just like to evaluate and to see who is able to kind of get the better of their opponent. But I actually think that it's going to be similar in some ways to what we saw in last week's victory over the Cleveland Browns, where it was Geno Smith relying so much on the crafty, quick route running of Tyler Lockett and in his ability, because he is so darn quick, maybe to be able to take advantage of the, the size, the physicality, but perhaps the lack of change of direction type of the skills 
that a former safety, as you mentioned, Brian Stevens, uh, a big physical corner like a Marlon Humphrey, there might be some potential for the Seahawks to take advantage of that. And then again, we have seen such development from Seattle's two rookie wide receivers, JSN, um, and of course, Jake Bobo. And I wouldn't be surprised at all. We mentioned his name before, D. Eskridge. This is the type of a game, Corbo, where I think that his speed, his change of direction, I know we've been talking about D. Eskridge having some type of breakout performance for it seems like, oh, I don't know, a few years now. But to me, <laughs> this is one of those kind of games that uh, I think that the Seahawks might try to take advantage of his shiftiness and his straight line speed as well. Yeah, this could be a game where his explosiveness and his speed, I mean, he's a legitimate 4-3 guy. That kind of a player could have some success against Baltimore because I don't think that their secondary is one of the more athletic ones in terms of speed that you're going to find out there. They have the physicality. They're obviously great athletes. They're NFL corners, but I don't think that they have quite the twitchy athletes that you see in some secondaries that Seattle has already played against. So this could be a game where somebody like D. Eskridge is able to make some plays. When you're going on the road, though, in the AFC North against the black and blue teams, the, the Ravens fitting the bill with John Harbaugh as the coach, they are always going to be one of the most physical teams in football. If you want to win in Baltimore, you better be able to run the football. And the Ravens have one of the best linebacking groups in the AFC. The Bears giving away Roquan Smith. The Bears, there's a reason that they're the Bears, and they've stunk for the last several years. They just give up talented players for next to nothing. And I – I felt like they, you know, they got a first round pick back in that deal, but still, I felt like this is a steal for the Baltimore Ravens. You're going to get 25 year old middle linebacker that's on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and he has 82 tackles already this year. He's got one and a half sacks, he's got five pass breakups. He is a do it all machine, and he plays angry football. It's a lot of fun to watch, but him going up against Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet, and then Patrick Queen. We remember the debate between him and Jordan Brooks. Patrick Queen had kind of a rough start to his career, but he's turned into a very solid starting linebacker that also has that blitzing and pass rushing ability that he's been able to get after the quarterback some this year. I believe he has three sacks this season. So Baltimore, they come at you a number of different directions, but they're linebackers. They can defend the run. They can cover. They can blitz. This is going to be a really fun matchup, and the Seahawks are going to have to find a way to get their running back to second level, and they're going to have to win some of those battles if you want to win this football game. Yeah, it's funny, actually, in a way that the, the Baltimore Ravens did get Roquan Smith from Chicago Bears, because when I think of these two franchises, it, to me, it's easy to imagine the, the legendary middle linebackers that they have had over the time. Of course, Baltimore Ravens, it's easy to think of Ray Lewis. The Chicago Bears, you know, in my mind, always goes to the, the late, great Dick Buckus or to, uh, you know, Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher. The list goes on and on. But you're absolutely right there to be talking about Roquan Smith. I I think that this is going to be, again, another fascinating matchup for the Seahawks because, as we've talked about so many times before, I think the Seahawks have about as good of a running back, uh, you know, foursome really as in any of the NFL and really to see the way that Ken Walker the third is able to use his shiftiness his quickness uh his ability to kind of dart in and out almost Barry Sanders Gale Sayers like I mean is absolutely spectacular again another Chicago Bears reference for those of you paying uh paying attention there I just think that that is such a 
fun matchup for two linebackers in Queen and Roquan Smith that, um, you know, again, have that same caliber of athleticism. So that's why I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see the Seahawks really kind of focus in on Zach Charbonnet, try to provide some of the pop um, to kind of counter Baltimore's physicality. So again, it's like a, it's, it's appropriate that we're having this conversation, uh, you know, a couple of days or a day after Halloween. I mean, it's almost like that Spider-Man meme. I saw lots of kids walking around with Spider-Man uniforms. I mean, it's like the Baltimore Ravens and Seattle Seahawks should be kind of pointing at each other like, wow, you look exactly the same as us. The Seahawks have, of course, two dynamic inside linebackers of Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks. The Baltimore Ravens have two of their every bit as fast, every bit as athletic, every bit as productive. Yeah, this is going to be a true old school linebacker battle. Two of the best linebacking groups in the NFL. And, you know, both teams are going to want to run the football, too, with the way Pete Carroll and John Harbaugh coach. So they really are mere identities in a lot of different ways. And that just adds to the intrigue. When we come back, we're going to look at the Seahawks defense against Lamar Jackson and an explosive. Ravens offense. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, which is brought your way by Game Time. If you've ever been on the hunt for sports or concert tickets in the last minute, the process can be anxiety provoking. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't make you want to pull your hair out. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, and comedy near you. They've got killer deals on last minute tickets. And with their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. If you want to see the Seahawks face off against the Ravens at m and uh, Bank Stadium next weekend, using GameTime's awesome flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map, you can find awesome seats for under $70 right now. It's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event and GameTime's guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbis Smith. Glad to be joined as always by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Special thanks to all the 12th. Thank you so much for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Continuing matchup Wednesday, we're going to shift gears now. We just looked at the Seahawks offense going up against that feisty, dominant Ravens defense. They've got a pretty good offense too. Lamar Jackson running Todd Monken's offense first year Offensive coordinator formerly with Georgia, back-to-back national champions as the play caller, uh, explosive offense, and he has worked wonders with Lamar Jackson and the weapons he's got around him. You look at this game from a Seahawks defensive perspective, what's the first matchup that jumps out to you against the Ravens that is worth discussing and needs to have the most attention? Well, for me, Corbin, I just got to see what Leonard Williams looks like in Seattle blue. I mean, I, I want to see the you know big number 99. Um, it's already been announced that is going to be the number that he is wearing, the same number that he wore with the, the New York Giants as well. Um, and not only because he, of course, is the newest addition for the Seahawks, the biggest addition just from a, a size standpoint, six foot five, 305 pounds, but also because I do think that the interior of the Baltimore Ravens is not a 
weakness necessarily. I think this is a really, really good team, a, a legitimate Super Bowl contending team. But Tyler Linderbaum, the first round pick that's at the center position, as well as Baltimore's guards are more designed for quickness, especially Linderbaum. I mean, this is a very quick man. He's not necessarily an overpowering man. Uh, it's kind of the, actually the kind of the center that the Seahawks have preferred in the past. If you've ever seen the Seahawks centers just get kind of blown up by bigger, more physical defensive tackles, well, now the Seahawks have a couple of those big defensive tackles. And again, Leonard Williams being one, Jaron Reed has been absolutely dominant so far this season. This goes on and on. You definitely could be mentioning Mario Edwards as well as Draymond Jones. But to me specifically, Jaron Reed and again, uh, big Leonard Williams are the ones that I'm kind of focusing in on here just because I think that they have the ability to control the interior of the offensive line. That's going to perhaps slow down Lamar Jackson and his runs, perhaps slow down Gus Edwards and his runs. And then you can force Lamar Jackson potentially to have to throw the football if the Baltimore Ravens are going to be able to win this football game. What all of these guys are going to have to be prepared to do this week. This is one of those games where you want to collapse the pocket, but not all the way in the sense if you don't think you're going to get to Lamar Jackson, wrap him up, you don't want to get too far upfield because if he is able to slip out of the pocket and you've got a bunch of rushers that are upfield, he can torch you on the ground. He's still leading the league in rushing yards for quarterbacks. Even though he's not running quite as much as he has in the past, he's still extremely effective, has five rushing touchdowns on the ground. So I do think that the Seahawks, we've seen them week in, week out. They had success last week against a really good interior offensive line for the Cleveland Browns. They have shown that they can play with anybody so far. This is going to be another challenge for them, but the Ravens are not quite as big and physical in the interiors we've seen with earlier incarnations of their offensive line. So it feels like this is a game if the Seahawks can physically win at the trenches at the point of attack, that this can be a game they can control the line of scrimmage. And that gives them a much better chance to not just slow down the run game, but also be able to get some pressure on Lamar Jackson and maybe put him in some uncomfortable positions. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, that's got to be my first matchup to watch this game True. just because there is another QB in the NFL that is like Lamar Jackson. There are other mobile quarterbacks, and then there is Lamar Jackson, the former MVP. His ability to escape the pocket and throw or run, he is dangerous doing both of them. When he gets out of the pocket, a lot of times he's looking to throw the ball. He's not just looking to tuck and run, but he's more than capable. You can run design quarterback runs with him. This is a game where the Seahawks are going to have what's called spy assignments. You have to when you're playing against Lamar Jackson, which means you have a defender that his primary responsibility is to spy on Jackson and follow him wherever he goes. If he looks like he's getting ready to take off to his left, you move with him. And I think the player that's going to get a lot of opportunities to do that in this football game is going to be Jamal Adams. That chess piece that has the athleticism to be able to run around with Lamar Jackson, but also has the physicality. You can play him up in the box. He can come up, get off blocks and get after the quarterback. So this is really the matchup for me. Maybe Jordan Brooks plays that role a little bit because of his athleticism at the linebacker position, but I would not be surprised at all. In fact, I'd be surprised if, if Jamal Adams is not playing that spy role this would seem like a game where he is catered, probably the best player in the defense, to do that against this particular opponent and try to limit. If Lamar Jackson does escape the pocket, you've got number 33 ready to bear down, bear down on him in pursuit and go hopefully make a play. 
Well, I also would throw in Devin Witherspoon with that just because, as you've mentioned over the last couple of days, I mean, Witherspoon is playing as good a football as anybody on on the Seattle's defense, might be their best defensive player at this point. But, yes, to your greater point here, I think that it's critical the Seahawks do assign somebody that spy role. Now, you're going to give up some plays in the passing game um, by dedicating a defender specifically to be just watching the quarterback and making sure that he doesn't escape. But that's just the danger of playing against the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. He is that damn dynamic. I mean, this guy is just an incredible athlete. And and I would agree with you. I mentioned Devin Witherspoon there. I think that Jordan Brooks with his speed and the way that he is playing also sets up very well. And then Jamal Adams. I mean, this is the type of a game in which his ability to kind of uh, just trigger downhill, um, the explosiveness, the way that he closes um, really is one of the most impressive attributes impressive athletic attributes of any defensive back in all of the NFL. I know that there have been some problems in coverage. There's all kinds of people out there who criticize Jamal Adams for a lot of different things, but this is one of the areas in which he can excel. I don't necessarily think that he is going to create as many tackle opportunities. I think there's going to be some times when Lamar Jackson makes Jamal Adams or anybody else on the Seahawks defense miss, but they cannot allow him or anybody else for the Baltimore Ravens to be able to break off one of those 50, 60, 70 yard runs that they have at times over their respective careers. So to me, this is all about having that spy, but also having that gang defensive mentality as well, making sure they run to the ball, um, not just relying on one defender to make an open field tackle against arguably the most athletic quarterback the NFL has ever seen. You got to swarm. You got to have multiple guys coming after him. Because here's the thing about Lamar Jackson. He can make you miss in space. He can break arm tackles. I think a lot of people that don't watch the Ravens regularly, they probably just think, oh, he's just fast. Well, he's powerful for a man of his size. He is a guy that can break a lot of those tackles. And you have to square him up when he gets an open field or you might be on the ground with your jock strap missing because this guy can make you miss. He can break tackles. He can slip through arm tackles. He, he's just, again, as you mentioned, you know, Michael Vick in his prime is probably the only thing that's comparable. That's what Lamar Jackson brings to the table. And I think Lamar Jackson is a more consistent passer than Michael Vick ever was. Mm-hmm. And that just makes him that much more dangerous to try to defend, especially because he has gotten much needed upgrades after several years at the receiver position and in the pre-draft process, I think we might've talked about Zay Flowers more than we did Jackson Smith and Jigba. We thought Zay Flowers was a very Seahawky style receiver with his toughness, his route running. I see a lot of Tyler Lockett in Zay Flowers game with his ability to win downfield, create after the catch. He brings the toughness aspect. And oh, by the way, he's leading the Ravens in receptions, receiving yards. He is turning into a young star in Todd Monken's offense. And Lamar Jackson has great faith in him. You add in Odell Beckham Jr., who has had great stats at this point, but he is out there. He's healthy now. Mark Andrews, one of the most dynamic playmaking tight ends out there. This cornerback group is going to be tested by a much improved receiving core for the Ravens. You better believe Witherspoon, Reek one of those guys. Mark Andrews plays quite a bit on the outside. You're going to have to cover him as well. And he is a vertical threat at the tight end spot. 
Yeah, he might just be the, the biggest threat that the Seahawks have to face in, in terms of the, the Ravens receivers. And obviously he plays the tight end position, does it at an exceptionally high level. But, um, you know, Zay Flowers, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can see Zay Flowers numbers and you just, you know, project that over the course of a season we're talking about possibly 90 catches nearly a thousand yards but still only one touchdown so far this season it would be easy to think that zay flowers is not playing that well he is not scoring touchdowns but as you mentioned corbin he is leading the ravens in receptions and receiving yards he has great straight line speed he has terrific open field quickness and vision and he also like lamar jackson is much stronger than you would think for a guy who's basically five nine and a half five ten and 195 pounds i mean this guy is strong um, and, and so to me, that's going to be a fascinating matchup here. I think the Seahawks have to focus in on, I mentioned Devin Witherspoon before and, and possibly using him sometimes as a spy against Lamar Jackson. I'd be terrified anytime that, um, that you have Zay Flowers out there in the open field. You'd love to have, um, a player like Witherspoon with what he has been able to demonstrate so far, being able to kind of lock horns with, uh, his fellow first round pick there for the Ravens. And then again, kind of like the Seahawks before, when we mentioned all these different wide receivers out there, the DK Metcalf, the Tyler Lockett's, you know, we went four or five deep. I mean, there's two first round picks and Rashad Bateman and Nelson Aguilar that we didn't even mention here for the Baltimore Ravens. So they're very deep at the wide receiver position uh, as well. And then, of course, Mark Andrews. Oh, my goodness, what a terrific player he is. We all know how the Seahawks have struggled defending tight ends before, and there may not be a better receiving tight end with a little bit of credit, certainly, to Travis Kelsey, um, but still an absolutely dynamic force um, for the Baltimore Ravens and Mark Andrews. He's one of those guys that you, you know, as Dan Patrick used to say on ESPN, you know, you're not going to stop. You only hope to contain him. Same kind of idea here with Mark Andrews. So, again, the Baltimore Ravens are as multifaceted as it gets, um, not only on the defensive side of the ball, but on the offensive side as well. Yeah, this is going to be a tough test for the corners, for the safeties, players like Julian Love. If Jamal Adams is playing that spiral, Julian Love is going to get a lot of reps against Mark Andrews in coverage. And so uh, that is never an easy draw. He's going to get his catches. He's going to get his yards. You just have to try to stop him from completely dominating you, which he has done to teams several times in NFL careers where he has just single-handedly blew up defenses when they didn't have all the other receiving weapons that they have in Baltimore. Now it just makes it that much tougher. And I'm looking forward to seeing Zay Flowers and Witherspoon battle in the slot, because that's going to be a really fun first rounder on first rounder matchup going into this game. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Brang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, I'll be joining the Locked on Ravens crew. We'll be joining forces for Crossover Thursday, continuing to dive into key matchups, key storylines, and much more. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.